Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Joff Lacey. We're buzzing around. And in search of pollinators in this week's Peapod. If you love Petersfield... I love the square. The hangers. The open-air swimming pool. Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Joff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. This week we've come to the first ever Pollinator Day from the Petersfield and District Beekeepers Association. From the beautiful surroundings of the Physic Garden, we'll speak to beekeeping experts, learn about the different types of pollinators and find out more about foraging. John Walker from the Peaceful Post brings your up-to-date peaceful news and Susie muses about the way nature is changing in her wild walk. We end the Peapod with music from Portsmouth-based group JJ Summer and the song Chains. The P stands for Petersfield. It's a lovely area, lovely people, lovely atmosphere. The Peapod. Hi, Joff. Hello, Claire. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I've felt better. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to apologise now that if at any stage during the recording I cough or turn away and, or mute myself, there is a reason for that. And what is the reason, Joe? I've not been very well, Claire. I've had all the symptoms, but I've tested negative. So, uh, but I'm I'm pulling through. I've had what's called used to rem- used to be called the common cold. Oh. <laughs> we just haven't had that for a while, <laughs> no. have we? It's been horrible to have it again. I'm so sorry. So, if, if I go all a bit Barry White, you'll know why. <laughs> Well, you're looking good in a new T-shirt, Joe. Yes, birthday T-shirt from yourself. Claire, what does it say? It says, eat, sleep, host podcast, repeat. <laughs> and it's green and for it's Shine green. Radio. And it's green for Shine Radio, yes. So, Claire, we're in the Physic Garden, or I used to call it the Psychic Garden. <laughs> Depends what time of day you come, <laughs> <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> What, what are the lovely surroundings we're in today? It's really lovely, isn't it? I think the last time we came here was February... T- 2020? 20, yes. Was it? And it was... It was a dark Monday yeah. night. Cold. Cold. I had a cold. Maybe it's coming here. <laughs> yeah. I was all blocked up. But so we didn't get to, to take in the gorgeous surroundings, but it's quite a special place just off the high street. And I, I often, I don't know about you, but I often walk by forgetting it's here. Well, yes, when, when you go through the, the alleyway to Waitrose by the car park, you've got the back door to the physic garden. Sometimes it's open, sometimes it's not. But you always, you always think, oh, what's behind there? Yeah, because there's a nice little window to <laughs> yeah. peep through, isn't there? There is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pretty special place. And, and we've come to the first ever Pollinator Day. Yes, looking forward to that, because we, we had a cracking peapod back in September where we donned the beekeepers' outfits and uh, did our bit. And it was, it, was a, it was a lovely recording. And it's wonderful that we've been invited along to host another peapod here. Yeah, it is. It is, and, and perfect time for it. I mean, it's May, Joff. You know, great time for pollinators to be out and about. Uh, there's lots of blossom, things growing. Yes. It's uh, no well, May think... as well. Are you, are you taking part in that? No, I'll probably have a shave as per normal. <laughs> don't want anything growing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I might catch. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so part of the garden... Um, has been put over to grow to encourage the wildlife or potentially i can't be bothered to turn it over (laughs) so i'm going to leave it (laughs) 
Either way, that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think a lot of people are doing it. I mean, it's it's difficult. And I was speaking to Steve Amos about this at the Adhurst All State right. Allotment last week because we were recording another growing together. Yeah. And uh, they have a, an area there at the allotment that they leave to go wild for wildlife and pollinators. And um, he was saying how you know they'd, they'd like maybe to get a few beehives down there. Right. Maybe you could ask a question today. Yeah, I thought I might. And, I, and next time you see Steve, um, Steve gave me some new jazzy potatoes to plant and they're growing really well. Can you ask him how long I've got to keep covering the leaves for until I can, because they're growing at such a pace and they're in a pot, a bit concerned it's going to go over the side. They probably will. But just you can keep topping it up. As much as I but can. But I'll, I'll check, I'll check. Thank you He's very much. The expert. He is the expert. <laughs> Not that you aren't, having <laughs> meeting with Steve every other week. So, Claire, are we going to have a little run, wander around the, the Physic Garden later? I think so. That would be really nice. Chat to a few people here. Yes. But uh, there, there is another, another thing that's happening today, Geoff. Which right. We've been made aware of from a fellow Shine Radio presenter, Phil Humphreys. So, would you care to, to enlighten us, Geoff? If it's. It's only going to be one of two things with Phil. It's either going to be wine or being au naturel. It's the second one. <laughs> <laughs> what, it's you want me to strip off now? <laughs> world, it's World Naked Gardening Day. Wow, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I didn't know that and I think I'm quite... Because I'm getting a bit hot because I've been indoors for a week. I might get a bit hot. I might have to oh, I don't. <laughs> do a bit now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me know if you feel that urge. I'll give you, I'll give you a two-minute warning <laughs> when I've got the urge. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll evacuate the area. <laughs> Please disperse, there's nothing to see. <laughs> so, Claire, we're going to be talking about foraging. Now, what does foraging mean to you? Well, it's going out and about in our gorgeous wildlife area yeah. and, and picking things to eat. I mean, the, the traditional one, not traditional, but the, the one that, that I used to do growing up as a, as a child was always picking blackberries. Right. Blackberry picking. Do you not do that? The, well, by the judging, by the look on your face. <laughs> Don't like blackberries. Now, I know a lot of people forage for mushrooms. Don't do mushrooms. I think the only thing I like is wild garlic. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, like my wild now. garlic in some scrambled egg, which is lovely. But, and I'm going to go and get some very soon, I'm going to make some wild garlic soup this year. And then not go around anyone for about a week. <laughs> Delicious. You know, you can also eat the uh, the flowers as well. Oh, can you? Yeah. So you could maybe you know make it look really pretty and put the. Flowers well, I've been on watching Master Chef, and I think I can get a bit creative with the older, the little petals and things. Yeah, they're lovely. We we have them in salads as well. This looks very nice. Ooh. Very nice and salad. And what's too. what's a salad? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to today. It's going to be good fun, I think. Yes, yeah. And we would love to hear from you. So if you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hi, please get in touch. We're on 01730 555 500 for a call or a WhatsApp or you can email team at shineradio.uk. And please do WhatsApp me because I'm in charge of the group WhatsApp. Coming up, Elizabeth Everly encourages us all to help our pollinating friends. But first, here's Joff and John Walker with a roundup of the latest news in the Petersphere. Hello, John. How are you? Very well, mate. Once again, we find ourselves in the beer garden of the Townhouse Pub, having a quiet pint on Sunday afternoon in the warm and the sun. It's lovely. Yes, it's a lovely Sunday lunchtime. So, John, what's landed on your desk this week? Well, apparently the uh, the uh, meadows behind Tesco and 
uh, between Borough Road and TPS have been closed off since Sunday, Saturday night. Um, we're not sure yet what's happened there, but there's been police cars up there. And um, as far as we know, they've been knocking on house doors to find out if uh, anybody saw anything. We don't know what the anything is yet, but I'm sure by the end of the week we will know more, or even by uh, Wednesday. So, And anything else? Yes. The Petersfield Town Council are moving their meetings to two monthly. Um, up to now, they've held their meetings every month. Uh, they have three or four committees... Halls Committee, Grounds Committee, Finance Committee, Planning Committee and so on. And um, as a council, they employ about 20 people, officers, and um, they've now decided that their officers are so hard-worked that it would be easier if they... councillors who are elected to um, represent our views and run the council for us uh, should only meet every two months. One of the... uh, reasons put forward is that these 19 officers are very busy working on council projects such as the um, 13 million pound festival hall refurbishment which uh, is good um, but as far as I'm aware it hasn't actually been agreed as a a project they want to carry out so um, who knows but uh, something for us to keep our eye on I suppose Yes, Geoff, if that's what you want to do with your life. Um, and staying with a, a council theme, East Hampshire District Council, uh, uh, their leader, Richard Millard, and their uh, chief executive officer agree, I think is, is the right word, or maybe understand that there aren't enough, there isn't enough infrastructure being put in place on the back of all the planning applications across East Hampshire, and that includes Petersfield and Alton, List, Lippock, obviously Borden, and are looking to um, arrange a meeting with a national health representative. Uh, I think they're aiming fairly high because they want to find out why uh, when these bodies like the National Health are consulted about these planning applications, they uh, say there's no need for any more dentists, doctors, classrooms, road upgrades, anything. They just tick it off and say, yeah, it's all fine, they're all good when clearly, dentistry in particular, um, there is clearly not enough national health dentists in this area. So I, although I'm, uh, I find it a bit hard to understand why the council let these planning applications, or approve these planning applications, when no infrastructure is being put in place, and I do understand that they have to follow government guidelines, I get that, so it, it may not be entirely their fault if their fault at all but it does seem as though the council on a positive note are going to take the ball by the white horns and actually try and find out why we're not getting these things and why people can't get nhs dental appointments can't get to see their doctors why the roads are so rammed with traffic you know what are these bodies that run these things looking at so that'll be i think that'll be going on for some time it could have some interesting conclusions and sticking on infrastructure just throw something in john i popped into town yesterday saturday evening and it was lovely to sit outside with friends having a drink but just how nice it would have been if the road was closed yeah i mean again we come back to that old old chestnut should the high street and the town center be pedestrianized what can you say even if we wanted it to happen i doubt for one minute 
whether it would, because the council try and claim they haven't got enough money to do it. Although I don't know how that would work, because you just <laughs> put bullards at the bottom of the high street and at the top of square, so... Like the barriers at the bottom of Torway. John's still there, 16 weeks, to put one barrier up. Can you help me understand why this should be the case? <sighs> no, Joff. <laughs> I mean, I fully understand your frustration or amazement, might be a better word, that it's taking so long. No, it's, it's beyond me. I mean, it's probably one of those mysteries that will remain unsolved until it is actually done. <laughs> so... OK, mate, moving on. I believe you've met up with our local MP again. Yeah, he was at a, a business breakfast where um, business people get together at 7 o'clock in the morning in order to convince each other they're thrusting and busy and they can't actually fit anything in during the day and have to do it before the working day starts. <laughs> and, um, and they invited you? Yeah, it was a bit of a shock for everybody, <laughs> I think. But it was a free fry-up. <laughs> and, yeah, our MP, Damien Hines, was there um, chatting away about topical business things, which I have to say, politicians are very good at talking, but when you actually sit down and try and work out what they've said, it becomes a bit of a mystery. But something that's interesting is that Brexit appears to be becoming a non-event with the government. Mr Hines, when asked uh, why the economy was in such a state and was Brexit the starting point, moved swiftly. He didn't even mention it. He says, well, of course, the Ukrainian war, da-di-da-di-da. And um, on Radio 4, I think it was, a government minister was uh, wouldn't answer questions about Brexit. And um, I think it's all to do with the fact that however the vote went, I don't think is the uh, issue. It's how it was dealt with afterwards. And it's obviously been dealt with... It took three years to actually get out and then another year of playing around and obviously that has had a huge effect on our economy. And as the leader of the Tory party and our Prime Minister, Mr Johnson, led the charge to get us out of the uh, European Union, I think that the government as a whole is trying to skirt around the fact that it's not going so well and uh, dumping everything on the Ukrainian war and... Uh, other worldwide issues. And moving on, John, what are you going to finish with this week? Yeah, the, uh, it was good to see on a, a very positive Petersfield note that the Petersfield Walking Festival was officially launched, or has been officially launched, up at the station. Um, it was a gathering of walkers, of which I was one, <laughs> by name and nature. <laughs> yeah, that's going ahead in June, and I think it's going to be a terrific thing. I myself am leading a walk. Um, which could be quite entertaining. <laughs> it's a pub walk. It's, what a surprise. Have you decided which pubs you're going to be visiting? Well, I think it'd be easy to say which ones we're not going to, <laughs> to be fair. No, it's... Um, yeah, I think it's going to be... The whole festival is going to be a great thing and um, it, it's starting well within the ambitions and the organisational quality uh, abilities of the people behind it and I think it'll be a great start to something that I could see becoming very, very popular in coming years, which would benefit the town immensely. So, good luck to them with that. Great stuff, John. You have a cracking week, and I'll see you next weekend. Thanks, mate. Oh, that's, you know, oh mate, are you my friend? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. I've got a friend too. <laughs> Cheers. The Peaceful Post is out every Wednesday and now costs a round pound, worth every single penny. So pick one up with your weekly shop or subscribe to the digital version.
It's the perfect time of year to be talking about helping our pollinator friends and we're thrilled to be at the Petersfield and District Beekeeping Association's first ever pollinating day. And who better to speak to first but the person who was instrumental in coming up with the idea in the first place, Elizabeth Everly. Welcome to the Peapod. Thank you very much. Now, tell us all about the pollinator day. Well, the Pollinator Day, was we decided to run it so that it was a way to explain about the huge variety of pollinators there are in Britain. The fact that there there are 270 different varieties of bees in Britain alone, of which only one of them makes honey. So we worry about the honeybee, we look after the honeybee, but there are 24 different varieties of bumblebees and the rest of them, 240 or whatever it is, of solitary bumblebees and there's nobody that looks after them so therefore we would like to encourage you all to do what you can to help look after the other bees as well as the honeybee. Now I didn't know there was 24 bumblebees. Are they easy to distinguish? A lot of all of these bees are yellow and black stripy things but the yellow and black stripy bits vary and while you can have the white-tailed bumblebee and the buff-tailed bumblebee there's the red-tailed bumblebee but they're all variations on a theme, mainly because they're all trying to pretend that they're terribly fierce and that you want to avoid eating them. <laughs> now, I love bumblebees, and they're one of the first bees that I see in my garden when spring turns up. I just love them. They're just really friendly. Um, but what can we do to help the other bees? Well, to help all the bees, mm. it comes down to forage. They all need food. So for all of the pollinators, the best thing you can do is flowers. They need masses of flowers. And that's the best way for you to encourage them into your garden so that you can actually see them and appreciate them. But they also need places to live. So the the bumblebee that you see first thing in the spring is the queen bumblebee. She's much bigger than all the rest of them. She's the only one that's overwintered. And she will be out looking for a home different bumblebees live in different places so some live in the ground some live in trees some live in mouse houses a mouse hole is the best place for a bumblebee because somebody else has dug the hole and filled it with nice bedding material so they're always looking for mouse houses or nest boxes there is a tree bumblebee that absolutely loves a nest box so you put up the nest box for the blue tit the first year it's used by the blue tit the next year it's used by a bumblebee And so the queen starts the year by looking for a place to live. She's then got to lay the first eggs, um, feed herself and create, have the food for her young. And then it's later on in the year that you see more bees because they're the workers that have hatched out to um, go and collect more and more forage to look after the hive, that the nest that will become bigger. By about July time, the the next queens will be hatching out and mating with the drones. And then that bumblebee nest will die out. It's only the the queen that will survive through to the next year. And she'll only survive for one year. So if you see that you've got a bumblebee nest next to the the garage, underneath the shed, don't worry about it because it's only going to be there for a couple of months and you probably will only notice it for one month. Because when it's quiet, you won't see them and you'll only see them at the time when they're busiest and they'll be gone within a month after that. So I'm asking for you all to appreciate just how exciting they are, how interesting they are, and just let them be. (laughs) (laughs) And what are you actually showing 
visitors today? Right, so we've got lots of display boards um, and information leaflets, things to take away. So there's information to take away. There's people that will be only desperate to talk to you, so to tell you things. We've got the observation hive, so there's honeybees to look at so that you can actually see what it looks like inside a honeybee hive. But we can't show you what it looks like inside a bumblebee nest because they're only the size of a tennis ball and you can't move them because they're so fragile. So uh, we're, we're showing honeybees. We're beekeepers, so I'm afraid we're somewhat biased. Um, <laughs> but so we've got honeybees for you to look at, information about bumblebees and examples of bee hotels for the solitary bees, of which there are so many. And we've got information about butterflies, moths, um, any of the pollinators and I'm really hoping that people will come along ask questions and find out and know more about the lifestyle of a bumblebee but also the lifestyle of the wasp who is also a very good pollinator and a vital garden helper up until about August when they decide to eat your picnic but before then you never see them because they're too busy eating all the aphids and caterpillars so <laughs> I just want people to know more about the diversity the world needs people to worry about things sort of thing to think about things with with the way the world is going the insect armageddon as they're talking about it the numbers of bees and butterflies and moths etc are dropping dramatically i'm old enough to remember when if you left the the window open on an evening you'd get moths in the house i haven't had a moth in the house for a very long time which is sad because the bats eat them and I get rather excited about bats as well. You need to have everything. It's an ecosystem. If you want something to eat the aphids on your um, roses or to eat the sawfly on your gooseberries, you've got to have the things that eat them that are then eaten by the birds and the bats and the other things we get excited about. We need insects, so we need to understand more about how to look after them, which you find out the more you know about bees, butterflies, moths, etc. And you mentioned flowers. Are there any particular flowers that we could all, as individuals, plant and, and grow in our, in our gardens? With there being so many different varieties of bees, there's a bee for every flower. There's a flower for every bee. So there's bees are... Most bees are short-tongued bees, so therefore they like open flowers. So open, simple flowers. So if you think of a, of a sunflower... You've got the big flat area, which is where you'll seed the bees, because that's where they can get the pollen and the nectar. They like your daisy, your nasturtium, the, 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 the simpler flowers. They don't, so they like flat dahlias. Dahlias they absolutely love if you've got the ones that are sort of flat like daisies. But the ones that are big pom-poms, if you can't see the stamens and the pollen, neither can the bee. <laughs> they love everything. They're very keen on, flat, on trees. So your apple trees, your pear trees have been covered with them. They're like shrubs. There's, um, there's the um, pyracantha horizontalis, absolutely covered at the moment because, again, it's simple flowers. Simple flowers are what they want, and the more the better. Now, if you haven't got a big garden and you want to do your bit, is there any other type of... I've heard about sugar solutions you can leave out and that type of thing. Is, is that something we can do? That's not so good because right. it's, um, it's actually a bit like thinking about your own diet. So the, um, the flour is providing them the nectar, which is full of um, extra um, minerals and um, 
all the bits, the complicated bits that they need, a complex carbohydrate. The pollen is full of, it's like the protein. They need that. Now, you as a human being could live just on sugar. You'd become very sick, very ill. But you could, you wouldn't die, you wouldn't starve, but you'd be ill. It's much better to provide them with a plant, to have, say, a, a pot of thyme. Herbs are excellent because they have flowers that the bees really love. They love thyme, marjoram, mint, all those ones. And so do I. So you've got, and there are also things like the mint moth that really likes um, mint because it eats, the caterpillars eat it. And the birds spend their time picking around, eating all the caterpillars. So you're helping everything, but herbs are really good. So just having a small um, pot, window box with herbs on will improve your own dinner as well as the bees so win round all round <laughs> oh, good information I was say, so a couple of pots of say mint and some thyme away you go exactly well Elizabeth it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you <laughs> we could probably go on for another 10 20 minutes couldn't we finding out more about this can people find out more information on your website there are links on the website there's also um, the Facebook the Petersfield Beekeepers District in whichever order uh, Facebook page you'll find very easily <laughs> put in Peters, Petersfield Bees and you'll get to us um, so there's the Facebook and the website and we also go to various shows so you'll as you go around the various events you'll find us we're going to be next weekend we're in Fernhurst we go to various school events we're there. We we do like talking about bees. Probably escaping not talking about bees is the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Pea Pod. Susie muses about the way nature is changing in her wild walk this week. Well, I was hoping to start this wild walk with the sound of a bee because I'm sitting in amongst so much gorse. That's a very large black dog that's heading off, i.e. mine. But there is not a single bee to be had, even for ready money, in this whole sort of avenue. So I'm, I'm walking at Durford, looking at the downs, and on either side of this rather untrodden path... A gorse bushes on either side in quite full bloom, bright yellow, and bees really like yellow. And I just can't understand it. And I'm a bit depressed about it, to be honest, because in one of those Facebook things where they sort of turn up memories was a photograph from when Richard and I visited the Silly Isles, and there were just thousands of bees. And I recalled what it was like um, in my childhood. Because you forget, it, you know, you gradually get fewer and fewer things and forget what it was actually like. But this bush that we were looking at was absolutely alive, buzzing with bees the whole time. So I was optimistic. And this weekend, I think it's something to do with bees. I know that, um, that there's talks and things like that going on. But also it got me thinking about hedgehogs um, because it's recently been the Hedgehog Awareness Week. I know, you're very lovely. Just come and settle down. It was Hedgehog Awareness Week and we do try at home. I've got a hedgehog hotel, I mean, by which I mean a log pile that's never moved. And apparently we all ought to have a sort of 
13 by 13 centimetre hole in the fence and you can sign up and show what the hedgehog I think they call it the hedgehog highway but anyway we must all make sure that hedgehogs can get through and get special food and so on and so forth and and really that's all fine and dandy but once upon a time and you know not once upon a time until quite recently we just had hedgehogs coming through all our gardens um but it just happened you just saw them saw their droppings the next morning and i just well oh dear i didn't mean to be like this i meant to be starting off saying look how wonderful it is and summer is coming and all our pollinators because the apple blossom this year at home has been wonderful so again i went out there expecting to see bees happily pollinating and i saw one i saw one in about two hours which is just awful. So I don't know if people are spraying their gardens again or what they're doing. I just looked at Twitter because I've um, I've been on it a bit recently, looking at other authors, seeing what they're up to. It's this thing that we're supposed to do that I can't stand really. But anyway, there we are. Um, and it was full of astroturf memes, if you like, and petitions. Because apparently there's this rise of astroturf. And there was one person in particular who was actually complaining on there because they had laid astroturf and um, a blossom, I don't know which blossom, maybe cherry or something, from a neighbouring garden, all the petals had dropped on the astroturf and this person was sick of hoovering them up. And I just don't, you know, where do you start with something like that? It's, I'm happy to say it's been, I saw it because it'd been retweeted um, tens of thousands of times. But there you are. And so there are two petitions out to try and stop people just buying AstroTurf. Because, you know, really it's not about hoovering, is it? It's about growth and life and and this biodiversity that we rely on it's not a tick box it's oh if you walk as I do every day it's just you just feel part of it all and um it's essential and living where we do we we should be as good as we were you know the other week in Suffolk now don't start your one piece of biodiversity that's very predictable and we're going to move on in a minute but you're very good at leaving bees alone if we ever see one. But anyway, you can hear birdsong, so that's good. That's a bonus. And I suppose what I try to do in these walks anyway is tell it like it is, and I don't pre-prepare, and it's just chums. I've taken you by the arm, and I'm just saying how I feel. And um, I'm sorry I'm not more upbeat this week. But, uh, but I hope you have a lovely week and I hope that together we can turn the tide on this and get all our pollinators really going so um you know look out for those plants at garden centers but frankly buying pollinating attracting plants pollinator attracting plants is absolutely hopeless if your next door neighbor then sprays so you know I think we've got to attack on all fronts have a really lovely week the dog's giving me a filthy look Actually, she's not. She's lying down really sweetly now. I'm sorry. It, I'm traducing you, Rain. Um, and, um, and more next week. Have a good one.
Coming up, we bring you our latest What's On guide and go foraging with Anne Chantelle Ballard. Before that, let's meet Arthur and Freddie. Hello. Hi. Hello. You've come to the pollinating day today here at the Physic Garden. Why have you come here? Um, to learn about bees. And why do you want to learn about bees? Uh, because honeybees are endangered. And do you like honey? Uh, yes. <laughs> that was a positive. <laughs> and what are you hoping to learn today? We're hoping to learn a bit more about uh, where bees and their den and about the ecosystem, if that can work. And are you concerned there are less bees around now than, than there used to be? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And have you learned of things that you can do to help the bees? Well, Freddie's been thinking. So we're doing a climate change club and I'm writing books about endangered animals. That's brilliant. Are you doing the club at school? Yeah. And which school do you both go to? Um, William Tyndale Primary School. And I, I noticed before we chatted to you, you were inside making something with, with sticks. What uh, were you doing yeah. in there? We were making bee stems, like... And spider stems. Yeah, like dens. And learning how to make, and, like, how which dens bees would like to go into and which ones bugs would go into and bees wouldn't. Oh, what's the difference? Well... Uh, bees would like to go into like so it wouldn't get soggy but yeah. but bugs duh, and spiders kinda it doesn't matter as much more to them or like they can have ones whilst bees they need like dry because the, the wet doesn't really help them in most scenarios really and do you have anything in your garden that can help the pollinators? Uh, yeah, well, we've, we've got, got lots bu- of roses and flowers. We've also got bug garden, don't we? Yeah. So, have you got a favourite bug? Um, a tarantula. Ooh, really? <laughs> Probably a cockroach for me. You like a cockroach, do you, Arthur? Do you see any cockroaches around here? Um, not really. Not yet, no. <laughs> So have you seen that the the hive, the observation hive as well that, that uh, yeah. they've displayed? Well, here? we kind of we just walked past it. We saw uh, there was a few bees, and then I think it was like how they're making honey in a way. But yeah, and there's a queen in there. Is there? Yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? Well, it's been lovely yeah. talking to you both. Thank you very much for talking to us about what you're doing here. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? If you're into football and you or a friend have been diagnosed with dementia, you can now take part in dementia-friendly five-a-side walking football sessions at the Tarot Centre. There will be a tasting session on Monday the 16th of May at 11am. If you'd like to attend, email bethany.daily, that's B-E-T-H-A-N-Y dot D-A-L-Y at easthance.gov.uk. The Spirit of Music Festival returns this month after a two-year break due to COVID. With concerts and workshops from May the 7th until May the 22nd, more details about the concerts, locations and tickets can be found at spiritofmusicfestival.org.uk. The Apollo Theatre Company presents cult figure Kenneth Williams at the Phoenix Theatre and Arts Centre in Borden on Tuesday, May the 10th from 7.30 until 9pm. Written and performed by Colin Elmer and directed by Tim Astley, this production captures one of the most unique figures in British comedy history. 
Tickets are £12.50 and further information can be found at the Phoenix Theatre and Arts Centre website. And Baroness Fluella Benjamin will be coming to Church's College on Thursday, May the 12th to give the annual Grill Lecture as part of the Church's College Academic Lecture Series. Titled Coming to England, Hope, Determination and Diversity in Our Time, go to the Eventbrite page for further information about the evening and to book tickets. If you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. You can choose from a selection of great programmes which are available to listen on demand or tune in to the brighter mix of music, local news and weather. There's a new episode of Generation Green to listen to. This month, Olivia and Mia discuss what they did on Earth Day, speak to children at Steep Primary School and learn that some sloths are given manicures. To find out more and to listen to Generation Green as well as other programmes, tune in to shineradio.uk, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. And Chantelle Ballard is a passionate member of the Peaceful and District Beekeeping Association. And she joins us now to tell us more about foraging throughout the year and what we can do as individuals to help. Hello, Anne. Hello. Well, what a gorgeous morning we're having here yeah, at the Physic Gardens. Yes. So tell us a bit more about what we can do as individuals to help. Well, I think in your gardens, I'm thinking most people have got gardens of some size or another, and you can think a little bit about foragers, uh, pollinators in general, basically. Um, if you think early on in the year, if you, have, if you can plant some crocuses, for example, that's a lovely, nice, early source of pollen uh, for, for pollinators, um, and that's what they need. Or And hazel, hazels, if you've got a, a hedge and you allow your hazels to grow up and have catkins, again, lots of pollen, which they all need. There are lots of pretty bulbs you can put in, aconites, um, snowdrops, all these things. So early in the year when they're a bit desperate for food, our bees, they love that. And then you, you move on a bit, um, and if you leave in your garden some wildflowers... At the moment, we've got some beautiful um, um, forget-me-nots everywhere, and they just look so lovely. I want to plant out things in my veg patch, but I don't want to take away the, uh, <laughs> the, the forget-me-nots. So, um, and I watch all the different pollinators, not just bees. Bees love them, but so do hoverflies, so do butterflies. And then there are things like ladies' smock, if you've got a, a damp patch. Um, and I think, I'm not 100% certain because I'm a beekeeper rather than anything else, but I think you can get yellow-tipped, um, orange-tipped butterflies on those. They like those. Um, so you're not, we, we need to think about all our pollinators, not just bees. Um, and if, but what, if we're doing good things for bees, for pollinators and f- for f- you know, bees and giving them forage for the bees, we're also doing it for other, pol- other pollinators. Now, we were talking at the beginning of the show about it being No Mo May, which has really taken off. It's only been going, I think this is the second year. And is that something, again, a good idea? Obviously. Yes, that is a really good idea. Um, you don't, you, even if it's just a little patch, you know, just um, leave a bit for those pollinators. The clover is fantastic for them. Um, so are things like daisies. Uh, if you have... You'll, you can find a lovely patch of uh, violets that will come up. Uh, you, you don't even realise they're there. You don't mow. And then suddenly you have a, a patch of violets, um, which are very good for butterflies. Just things like buttercups and things like that. And it's very pretty. 
Um, so just one month leaving your lawn to work for not just us, but also for pollinators. It's a jolly good idea. And if people want to obviously keep it longer than a month, that's obviously a good idea too. Because that's obviously a good seems idea. A shame to, <laughs> shame, it seems a shame to cut it down just it, after a month once everything's grown up, if it, you can keep an area. Yes, if you can keep a little area. and then, But you can cut it down afterwards and, uh, and other things will spring, spring up. So um, you can mix and match a bit on that one. <laughs> But then later on in the year, what another thing I know in the middle of the summer there are lots of uh, flowers and things about for pollinators. Although we do have in June, quite often that's a time when there isn't so much around. Um, all the spring flowers have finished and there isn't quite as much forage for our, our bees, I'm thinking bees. Um, and so leaving some weeds around at that time of the year is very important for all the different pollinators. Um, then later, one of the things that I always want to talk about is ivy. It takes 15 years for ivy to flower. And I know we, we are a bit rude about ivy, but it's a fantastic source of food. For, it's the, the last forage for your bees at the end of the year, but also for butterflies. Um, for there's a, there's a new little wild bee that's now come in that is called the ivy bee, and that just comes around and uh, lives in the ivy. And then when the ivy does make a whole lot of um, fruit and everything, that's good for the birds. So ivy is, we, we have to love our ivy. <laughs> and remember that it's taking it 15 years to flower. So yeah, and our brambles, it's another thing that we, we are very rude about brambles, but that gives the beekeepers their main July honey crop. Uh, nectar, full of nectar from, probably from June, it can carry on till October because there are so many different sorts of blackberries that there are always a different species is coming out in flower and giving lots of uh, habitat um, and food for different pollinators. You mentioned you're a beekeeper. Yes. How long have you been keeping bees? Um, I've been keeping since 2009. Yeah. How many, how many hives do you have? Um, I have three at the moment. Yeah. Are, are your hives full then at the moment or are they just, just starting? Uh, they're, they're, they've overwintered, so they've survived the winter, which is the most difficult thing for them. And I've got some oilseed rape, a, a big field of that just opposite me. And so they love that. And um, if you're a beekeeper, if you're a clever beekeeper, not like me, <laughs> you make sure you give them an awful lot of room so that because they will build up very rapidly when they've got oilseed rape which is a good nectar source and then the queen will want to swarm or not the queen the whole hive the colony will want to divide and swarm that's how they reproduce good stuff and I imagine the honey is delicious the honey is lovely <laughs> <laughs> well thanks so much Anne Chantal lovely to talk to you thank you very much thank you so Claire we're stood next to a beehive what can you actually see at the moment yeah it's an observational beehive so we can actually see loads of honeybees and just spotted the queen <laughs> the queen bee which i don't think i've seen one before have you joff no i haven't and uh, we've been told that you can tell which is the queen bee because they've got she's got a white spot on her head like a crown what's your name heidi hello heidi what do you think about the observational hive here? Um, it's really cool. It is, isn't it? There are a lot of bees here. And have you spotted the, the queen yet? Yes. <laughs> and why have you come here to see the pollinator today? Um, to see all the bees and what they do for their job. 
Yeah, absolutely. And are you learning things here? Uh, yes. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much. Enjoy your day. So next to the observational hive is Tom Blackburn, who knows an awful lot about the bees here. How many would you say are in the observational hive? There are probably this time of year in a, in a, in a, in a full hive, something like 20,000 uh, bees. They're working up to their peak uh, in June of up to 50,000 in a, in a full hive. This is about half of what uh, was in, in, in the full hive this morning. So there's probably in, in, down below in the box which you can't see, just the one frame you can, there's probably something like 10,000 bees altogether in, in, in there. Well, and they're not going to come out, are they? <laughs> no, they're absolutely, absolutely secure in there. No, they're, they're going nowhere here this morning. And, and there's been, obviously, it's, it's quite an attraction here. What has the uh, reaction been to people looking at the hive this morning? Uh, same, same as it always is when we have an observation hive like this out, and fascination. And there's, you know, the star is always the queen. Um, to see the queen walking around the frame is, is always a great part of um, the, the appreciation of it. Yes, because she's not usually the one that you see out, is she? You, you'll probably never see her out. She goes out very, very infrequently in the course of her life. Once at the beginning and then perhaps once more when there's a swarm. And that, 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 those are her outings. Well, thank you very much for telling us a little bit about this. Thank you. The P stands for Petersfield. I can't believe that we live in such a idyllic place. The Peapod. And that's it for this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to Elizabeth Everly, Arthur and Freddie, and Chantelle Ballard, John Walker and Susie Wilde, as well as to the buzzing Shine Radio team who support the show and help to put it together. We end this week's Peapod with music from Portsmouth-based JJ Summer and the song Change. So from Joff and I this week, bye!
This summer, Shine Radio turns back the clock to the 1950s. We'll be sharing stories from the Petersfield archives and your own memories, reliving the music of the time, and we'll be live at Petersfield's Platinum Jubilee Fair in June. Do get in touch if you have a recollection of Petersfield in the 50s and stand by for a summer of Petersfield memories only on Petersfield's Shine Radio. Too right. We'll be having a blast. Quite so. It's the word from the bird, Daddy-o. Oh, shush. <laughs> 